0: everyone, and welcome to the October 5th, 2020 edition of God, Trump, and the 2020 election. It's only 29 days before the most important election of our lifetime, and I'm doing these podcasts every day to try to alert people on why it is so important to vote. I, of course, wrote a book called God, Trump, in the 2020 Election as my way to make the argument on why Donald Trump must win and what is at stake for Christians if he loses. Now, on my Strang Report podcast, I just interviewed Sean Foyt, the uh, young worship leader who has been having these uh, worship gatherings uh, in 27 cities around the country, including the really difficult places like Portland, Seattle, uh, St. Louis, uh, Minneapolis, Chicago, and so forth. And he believes that a great revival is beginning, but he has also experienced the governmental regulations that have kind of shut down the church, especially in California, where he's from, and a couple of the cities Uh, in Seattle and Chicago, to be specific, actually shut down the parks where they wanted to assemble. Meanwhile, the rioters were just, you know, a few blocks or a couple miles away, uh, not being stopped at all. And this is just very concerning, and it shows where the left will go if they're allowed to gain power. And that's why it's so, so important to vote. As the 2020 election approaches, um, the Christian vote is more important than ever because Democrats have held the House of Representatives since the midterms. Not much is happening legislatively. Therefore, the focus of conservative activists, such as my friend Ralph Reed, is on court appointments and working with the administration on executive actions, such as the Department of Health and Human Services, latest protection of people's conscience. The Faith and Freedom Coalition has a full team of lobbyists in Washington who work on these issues every day. And Ralph told me that he and others are meanwhile building the infrastructure for getting out what he hopes is the biggest Christian vote in U.S. history. The attacks that have left Christians in a defensive mode are only getting worse. Even respected thinker and author David Horowitz warns that the rising attacks on Christians and their beliefs threatens all Americans, including Jews, such as himself. His book, Dark Agenda, The War to Destroy uh, Christian America, should be required reading for anyone wanting to understand objectively what is going on in our mixed-up culture. I might add that I did a very interesting podcast uh, with David Horowitz on the Charisma Podcast Network on The Strang Report. You can look it up. And also, I have read the book. It is excellent. You know, in the book, he talks about how radicalism began in the 1960s as activists began implementing Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. He explains that when Democrats began showing their hatred for their political opponents, a departure from traditional American descent. They began dehumanizing and delegitimizing anyone, including Bible believing Christians who disagreed with their left wing socialist agenda. These dehumanizing terms kind of became a cultural norm by the 1990s when political correctness came on the scene, and it applies to everything, not just politics. Today, political correctness has gotten so out of control, it borders on the ridiculous. As I was working on my book, the officials in Berkeley, California, banned the use of gender-specific words such as manhole and manpower. They took it out of the municipal code and they replaced it with terms like maintenance hole or human effort. Now, you can make an argument both ways. It might be more specific, but the idea is there is an attack. A politically correct attack where somehow you're wrong if you say manhole, even though that's what it's been called for many, many years. I also heard on the radio one day that in San Francisco, the homeless now must be called urban campers. However, we went to, we researched it and it was hard for us to nail it down, but I did hear that it happened. And If nothing else, it's just an example of how ridiculous things have gotten. When I interviewed him for the book I wrote, God, Trump, and the 2020 Election, conservative radio talk show host Dennis Prager shared a sentiment about political correctness that was similar to what Horowitz had said. Prager told me, the left are Orwell's friends, you know, referring to George Orwell's 1984 um, you know, fictional book about how things bad would get, uh, things would get uh, by 1984. And Prager went on to say, they won't say illegal immigrant. You can't even use the word illegal alien, rather as undocumented migrant. Well, they might as well call bankruptcies undocumented withdrawals. Now, Donald Trump might not be the first politician to claimed to stand up to political correctness, but he definitely took the fight to a whole new level. He wasn't an ideological conservative as much as he was a street fighter for common sense. His only ideology seems to be patriotism. During his campaign, this was manifest in his concern not only for the state of the country, but also the short shrift that America has been getting in global trade deals, The trillions wasted on foreign wars for which there was no gain and what Horowitz calls the poorest state of its borders and the precarious condition of its security. Indeed, campaign themes made his patriotism clear. Make America prosperous again. Make America safe again. Make America strong again. Make America great again. Prager told me, and I, of course I document this in the book, that haters on the left and the Democratic Party and the media generally have twisted Trump's patriotism and condemned it as bigoted bravado. They've done the same by extension to his supporters, many of whom are evangelical Christians. And Prager said that he observed that even though Jewish people often don't understand the evangelical subculture, that Horowitz accurately wrote, anyone sympathetic to the unapologetic patriotism of religious people could understand why they are solidly for Trump, despite his flaws. It's important that we do not become complacent. Since Trump's re-election, the crazy extremes of the left make you wonder if it's shooting itself in the head. And if it is in a way, that's a good thing. It's like the the maxim that paraphrases Napoleon, never interfere with an enemy while he's in the process of destroying himself. I believe that the left is destroying itself with no vision other than socialism or opposition to Trump. Our side must still never be complacent. Ralph uh, Reed in my book, it told me, and I quoted him, we can't be like a head football coach who gets up in the locker room before the big game and says, hey, team, don't worry, we're going to win by four touchdowns. No, he should tell them this game may easily be decided by a field goal with a second left on the clock. Play like that. Play that every single snap could determine the difference between victory and defeat. I don't want anyone going into the 2020 thinking that we have this in the bag. I think that was one of the big mistakes for Hillary Clinton and the Democrats made in 2016. They were overconfident. They uh, underestimated their opposition, and they paid for it. The Democrats will definitely bring their A-game to the 2020 election. And as I discuss in my book, there are reasons why Trump might lose. I urge you to go to my website, stevestrangbooks.com. That's my name, Steve Strang. There is no E on the end of Strang, and then the word books with an S. And there you can get all of my books, as well as uh, special prices, and also if you buy from stevestrangbooks.com, every book is signed by the author. And there's only a limit to what I can go into a short podcast like this, but I believe that the book will unpack what is really going on. I wrote it, of course, um, in 2019, you know, long before the primaries even started, it released in January, uh, just less than a month before the Iowa caucus. Uh, We had never heard of anything called COVID-19 until the 11th of February. Things shut down in March. And I knew that the pandemic that nobody saw coming would affect Christians, the world, and America's 2020 election. And so I wrote... God, Trump, and COVID-19. It's a quick read. It's only 125 pages. I wrote it in three weeks in the month of April, and it released May 12th. And we've seen what has happened with the pandemic, with the restrictions of the government in many places, especially California, um, against the church, calling it non-essential, allowing protesters to protest, allowing people to go to abortion clinics or the liquor store, but uh, greatly restricting uh, the number of people who can, um, you know, attend church. Now, here in Florida, things aren't quite as bad. Things seem to be pretty much back to normal, but there are great restrictions. And also, if you listen to my podcast with Sean Foyt, which I hope you will do, we talk about how easily and how quickly. Christians seem to go along with it. Very few are kind of fighting back. There are some court cases. I've done podcasts with Matt Staver and some others who are actually fighting this. We did a panel discussion uh, specifically on that with uh, Rodney Howard Brown and Che On. An. You can also find that on the Charisma Podcast Network uh, and also on charismanews.com. So with that, I'll wrap up this edition of the God, Trump, and 2020 election podcast for uh, Monday, October 5th, and encourage you to tune in tomorrow for another podcast as we count off the days to the most important election of our lifetime. Thank you for listening. Share this with others. God bless you.